Startup Stories DSM features conversations with entrepreneurs who share both their victories and failures on their path to success. Startup Stories is produced by the Greater Des Moines Partnership. More tips and resources are available at dsmpartnership.com slash business resources. I'm your host, Christina Moffitt, Director of Small Business Resources at the Partnership. Kate Benesiak, welcome to Startup Stories. Thank you. What exactly is Diversified Management Solutions? (laughs) So this is the question we get asked all the time. We do this kind of weird little thing that we always say that if your grandma can understand what you're doing, you're doing pretty well. We work with trade and nonprofit, primarily member-based associations. As part of that, we serve as everything from their executive director to their event staff, um, membership recruitment and membership management, parts of that. We do marketing, um, literally everything that's part of um, belonging to an organization we can do in-house. That's great. So what is your background and how did you get into all of this? We joke that you never really say, hey, growing up, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run trade (laughs) associations and member-based groups. Very true. I came from a family that was always getting involved growing up. So everybody was always doing a lot, getting involved with the community and with your industry felt like that was a very important thing. And then in school, I really found myself liking business management classes and the hospitality side. So I knew I'd like the event process of it. When I was in school, I worked at a hotel. There were different event planners and groups that I really enjoyed with working with more than others. I reached out to them as I graduated and said, what advice do you have for me for my next step? And from there, got involved at the business I'm at now. Speaking of the business, tell me a little bit about how long the business has been around, and then we'll talk about your journey in the business. Yeah. So the business has been around just about 30 years now. I have been an owner. I first came in as a minority owner. So minority owner for nine years and coming up here shortly, it'll be, I think seven or six. Yeah. (laughs) So like the next week or so will be the anniversary. Full ownership. Yeah. In the end, you ended up buying the business. Talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit about how that process came about and what that journey has looked like for you. Yeah, I was really lucky to receive some great advice along the way and have a great mentor in the former owner of the company. He was looking at things and said, we're going to have this opportunity coming up here. My wife would like to start maybe looking at retiring. Would you like to buy some of her shares? So as part of that process, I had some great free advice (laughs) from the Small Business Administration and from um, one of the mentors through SCORE who said to me, why don't you um, go back and say, yes, I would love minority shares, but the best thing you can ask for is the majority holder shares. So see if you can put that all together because it was a husband-wife team and a third partner. Wow, okay. Being my 24, 25-year-old self, I had, I don't know, I guess I wasn't, I was scared to ask the question, but I didn't know enough how bad it could go (laughs) by suggesting that. So I went ahead and walked in and I said, This is a great opportunity, but can we shape it like this? And he came back and said yes. So that's kind of how it all came about. It went from being a little slice to a bigger slice. And what does the ownership look like now? So I own 67% of the company now. Awesome. And how old are you now? Because you're a pretty young CEO. Uh, I'm 34 now. Which is great. I mean, again, being young and taking that opportunity of not knowing really the word no. <laughs> right? I know. That's, I think, the the lack of knowing all the things that could go wrong or the lack of, you know, just being young and courageous enough in my career at that point in time to know, hopefully I could recover from whatever 
I did wrong, right? I don't right. Know. Is that a real thing? <laughs> so we just had a class on um, capital for your business, mm-hmm. and we talked heavily about buying a business and what that financing structure might look like. Are you willing to share kind of what you did to be able to purchase the business? I did a couple of things. Initially, when I first bought in to the company to buy the um, smaller amount of shares, I did both a payment plan to the person that I was buying shares from. So each month I was making payments and buying more shares from them. I paid one lump sum that was a smaller amount. I was young, so I didn't have like a huge amount of assets. Right, so the seller um, kind of financed that for you. Yeah, so that was how I did the um, minority shareholder. Then when um, I bought out the majority shareholder, I was lucky that I went through the small business Um, administration program on coming up with a business plan, really looking at what you're doing. So I could have qualified for a loan through that if I wanted to. My grandfather actually said that he would back my loan for me. Um, And so he ended up backing me in that whole process. And I was really lucky with that and was able to get a better rate from that than a small business loan. So absolutely. It's, it's hard in your business because there's not a ton of collateral, right? So to be able to walk in and get a loan. Yeah, is a is a hard thing to do, and you know you you want to take some risk, but take smart risk <laughs> as you're getting those. Calculated, and sure that you're yeah. yeah. Calculated would be the better smart risk. <laughs> um, talk to us a little bit about why buying was appealing versus starting your own. Right, you've mm-hmm. you've gained the knowledge. I'm sure you had some type of non compete in place as you became a minority owner in there. Yeah. But why was it appealing to you to go ahead and buy versus break off and start your own? Um, I was really lucky that I loved our clients. I loved a lot of the people that we worked with. felt like it just kind of happened so quickly that it was nice to take some of the infrastructure there and really keep improving upon it. And that was one of the conversations that I had with the former owner was my goal is for you five, ten years from now to still be looking back and saying, yes, it's different but I'm watching it grow and that makes me really happy. To take something that was there and just keep improving and building upon it to me was was appealing. So what does the company look like now versus when you started there? We've gone from 12 to 21 people. So That's a big jump. Yeah, it's been a lot of infrastructure being put in. One of the first things that was great that we ended up doing was I was assigned to go um, work on getting our company accredited. And so a team of four of us worked together, and what that did for us was it really standardized things and allowed us to say, this is how we do business. So everybody that comes in, this is the standard that we work at. This is how we conduct things. And that really helped a lot with our processes along okay. the way. Then I also went through a program a couple of years ago, too, at the same time that I was looking at other AMCs, saying, how do you do business? What is it that works for you? And how are you set up? And from there, kind of decided to also create divisions and start offering partial services. But still keep that small business feel was important to me. And most of my competitors, if they had divisions, they were huge, which was something I said, I don't want to be huge. I like knowing everybody that walks in the door. So from there, we've branched off, and now we have different divisions. We bought a business owned by Kelly Sparks last year, which was an event planning division, okay, and created our event planning division from that. This year, we just announced our finance division and promoted somebody to be the VP. Nice. So it's been great to find different pockets of growth for us as well. You mentioned all those services because there's such a huge array. And you mentioned acquiring Kelly's business. Mm-hmm. 
what is your structure right now? When you, because you are the CEO, you mm-hmm. have to figure out how to make this whole machine work. Talk to us yeah. a little bit about your team and how it's structured. We have our full service division, and a lot of those ex- execs work in teams of three to service their clients, depending, really depending upon the size of them. So they'll have membership and admin people, and then they'll also pull people from our events in our finance and IT team to help support them as well. The nice thing is you get a little bit of a lot of people. Okay. That can help service. If you just need a little bit of marketing each month, you can pull that little piece that you need rather than having your full-time person. So are you just local? We are not just local. We are actually national, theoretically international. Okay. <laughs> um, but we don't have a huge amount of international clients. Yeah, we have probably more than half of the business that we do in a year is national. Which so. is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, as the CEO, what does your schedule look like? Knowing that you have <laughs> national clients out there, you have to go see them. Tell us a little bit about your role and how you've, how you've been able to grow, put those people in place, and then meet your travel schedule at the same time. It's been, it's really ebbed and flowed. The first year after I had my daughter, I think I traveled more that year than I ever had traveled before. Since then, I've slowed that down definitely a little bit. Then at the same time, I was joking just the other day that we were on a trip. A board member asked to fit in one more meeting. So we were meeting at 6 a.m. before I caught my flight out so that we could squeeze one more thing in before I left that town. Because you just have to really take the opportunities that you can to get as much in, I think, when you're traveling as possible. Because for me, it's really important to also be back here right now. Right. I think the biggest thing that I've learned with my schedule is knowing what I need to do personally and professionally to make it all work. And sometimes when we're in our really busy time, I'll work 4 to 6 a.m. so I can still get off um, in the afternoon, evenings, so that I can have that family time and then maybe work a little bit later. So I've just kind of had to figure out what I can do to ebb and flow things to make it work with what the needs are for the company at the time. Which makes sense. So, There's no yeah. perfect work-life balance, and no, you just make it all work. Yeah, you just kind of fit it all in. <laughs> so life is always happening in the background. Yeah. You're running a business. You've mentioned your your daughter. You've had some personal life challenges. Any that you're willing to share? Last year was especially one of those years for me where life came not in just sets of three. It probably came in sets of like six, seven, eight, nine. And I think one of the things that I especially learn from that is how important it was to have a strong leadership team and to really enable people around you to do what it is that they needed to do to keep things going. And I was really lucky in that we had been putting this together and I had gone to some different classes about, you know, process management, about how you really make people be able to kind of step up to the plate and stepping back. And and even probably having a kid taught me this a little bit. I had a great <laughs> friend that at the beginning told me, she said, I was telling my husband that he was doing it wrong one day and I realized actually he's not doing it wrong. He's just doing, and my mom, her mom pointed out to her, he's not doing it wrong, he's doing it his way. And so sometimes you need to step back in business and say, just because it wasn't done exactly how I would do it doesn't mean that it's not being done right kind of thing. And so I think that helped last year because I am kind of unapologetic about when my family needs me, my family needs me, and I need to be there. And last year was one of those years that, you know, I lost my brother, my grandfather, my aunts, and I had to have several small procedures myself, and I just needed to be there for my family without putting those people in place, coming up with the systems for how I could come in and out of the business, it would have been detrimental to everybody if we hadn't just 
let them do their job kind of essentially. Right. I think that's an amazing lesson for a lot of owners that, you know, can't really go hands off until they're in the throes of everything. Mm -hmm. And just being able to realize that you could go out tomorrow because of something and having those systems in place. And that again, good point, not your way is always the right way or the perfect Mm -hmm. way, but it's still going to get done. Yeah. And I think the other thing I was just joking with the recruiter about this, she gives me a bad time. I'm unapologetic about pretty much hiring unicorns. I need to feel like I can really trust you, like you can really do the job, because then it allows for that. So knowing what the culture is, knowing the skill set, knowing what we need to have internally also helps. And I don't know. I think at first, probably years ago, I'd probably overcompensate for people who weren't the right fit. And now I make sure instead that everybody's really where they're supposed to be on the bus. I think that's that a great point. And you probably are very, you know, flexible on the other end with your employees realizing that life happens on the mm-hmm. background and, you know, that everybody can cover for each other when you have that unicorn mentality. It really builds the company culture, I think. Yeah, we joke now that people, it's the family you never knew you wanted. (laughs) Right, (laughs) very true. Which is good and bad, you know. At the same time, it does really allow for people when they need to do what they have to do, you know, it's expected that everybody is just there for each other. And it's really important that we don't have a culture of, okay, I was the one that stepped up and get it done. We really appreciate you doing that, but we're doing it because we're all part of a team kind of thing, if that makes sense. Absolutely. How how did... um all of your background leading up to this really make you a great entrepreneur. Did you see any characters as a child or life things that happened? I mean, you just mentioned like being able to roll with the punches the last year. What other things do you feel like has it have really strengthened your career as a small business owner? Well, I sometimes joke too that my mom's a social worker and my dad's an engineer. So he was the one figuring out how the pieces fit together. And my mom was the one that kind of get ever, anything to happen on whatever budget. And I feel like that's a lot of small business yeah, sometimes. Very true. You know, she was very also attentive to the people and what was making everything click as well. So I think those two mindsets coming together really prepared me for being an entrepreneur. You know, she was always looking to identify the need and then my dad was finding the way to fix it. So I think just breaking stuff down and having that kind of mindset No matter what it is that comes up, we're going to figure it out, we're going to handle it, and we're going to move forward. And I think as long as you just approach it like that, then you can do all of it, I guess. Not all of it. (laughs) It's very good, though. (laughs) You still have to wear all the hats, no matter what. If the team disappeared, you know... It's still fall on your plate, so you have to keep them all spinning. 100%. Some days you accidentally let everybody off that should be answering the phones. <laughs> <laughs> that is and real you life. you to remember how to do that. <laughs> yes. Um, so you mentioned the company's been around 30 years. I mean, that's a pretty long-standing company. But long-standing companies also have their own unique set of challenges. So talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit about what challenges you face as a long-standing company. I think sometimes just continuing to push forward and we're doing some things differently than we did. When you grow from 12 to 21 people and my goal is to kind of get to around 30 people to we've come close to having our business be three times as big as it was when we started. That requires different infrastructure, different things being put in place. And I want people to still feel like it's the family they never knew they wanted and to feel like they're very cared about. But at the same time, we have to put some different things in place in order to have that happen. I can't just have everybody kind of doing their own thing. We've got a bigger handbook, <laughs> policies, <laughs> policies yep. manuals, you know, and that can feel intimidating. And 
I'm, I think sometimes because I can just see where I'm going, I'm not always the best at explaining and slowing down and saying, okay, well, I thought that it was no big deal that we were changing to jeans in the summer. Let's all talk about how that makes you feel kind of thing, (laughs) you know, and just, um, we've had to have some of those things that we've learned along the way of, okay, you might see this happening out there. And so now I literally, we have staff sessions once a week and I will say in staff oftentimes, has anything gone on this last month that you had questions about open door philosophy? Like literally I'm going to call it out. Did something happen that somebody wants to know why we're doing that or we need to have more discussion on it? And I think that's helped with it as well, but it's going to feel uncomfortable sometimes when you're growing. Communication gets harder as you get bigger. And does everybody have the information? I think it's great that you still meet and are able to have that open dialogue. Yeah. Nonprofit world is changing. I mean, you work with a lot of nonprofits mm-hmm. and member base. Talk to me a little bit about the changes going on in your industry and where you see it going and how do, how do you approach when change is coming so quickly? I think people don't join anything anymore just to join it. Um, so you've got to be selling a value and um, you really need to be thinking more and more about what are what's our mission, why are we doing this, and is it serving our members? Um, Kind of identifying their pain points quickly and adapting to it because a lot of people, their jobs could be changing. There are some industries that people used to be in forever, and now people join that industry and then drop off and become entrepreneurs pretty quickly and start up their own thing. Identifying those trends and having a board that's willing to bring in lots of different mindsets so that you can stay in touch with those I think is hugely important as well. Makes a lot of sense. The one question I get all the time from small businesses is, I need to know how to market. How do I market? <laughs> yeah. And 30 years, I mean, you guys have been doing something right. Do you have any best practices or tidbits that you're willing to share? Well, we're weird because you can't really put out an ad that says, we do events and this and this and this and this and this and really <laughs> right. whatever you need. <laughs> but at the same time, we've been working a lot on our branding and our marketing efforts the last several years. One of the things that we've done is we've got some part-time consultants that are really great, even though we do it for our clients. The reason that I finally hired outside people was so that it would stay on the agenda to happen because I think it's really easy to drop off your own stuff and not make that happen. So we've got some outside consultants and we do some stuff internally as well. But I think it's when I went through this Goldman Sachs program several years ago, that was one of the other things that we talked about too, was rather than working in my, in your business, making sure you're working on it. So I literally scheduled time each month for several of these different buckets, you know, everything from the HR and your growth strategy to marketing. So we're sitting down and saying, what are we doing to move this forward and putting time towards it? A lot of it's just scheduled out. Which is good advice because I think we all go down on the weeds when it's not on our calendar or we keep moving it, you know, further down the line. But scheduling the time to actually market is crucial. Yeah. And I I put it on my calendar. My people at work that see my calendar think I'm nuts. Um, (laughs) But I schedule it all out. And then that's the way that you make sure you service yourself just like you would a client. Get it done. Tell us a little bit about your personal life. You mentioned your daughter, (laughs) but tell us a little bit more about you. I I really like to get involved in women's leadership. I think that's a huge thing. I never realized until I became an owner of my company what a difference that is being a woman in leadership at a company. So that's been a great thing for me to get involved in some of those efforts. I've got my husband and I are about to celebrate our 13th wedding anniversary (laughs) next week, which is crazy to think time has flown by that quick. He just became a partner at his firm, so now we have two small business people in our household. So learning the ebb and flow and how to 
flex like Gumby, I guess, is <laughs> like the motto in our household. And we have a four and a half year old daughter that has also, you know, come into the equation as well, who likes to go to work. She was um, joking with me when I was traveling. She's like, are you making money while you travel? Because we have to like, my husband was explaining to her <laughs> that moms and dads have to go to work because they have to make money. And so it was kind of this whole cute little thing when she called me up and said, are you making money today? <laughs> we should say what my, what your husband does for a living oh, and why making money is important. Yeah. He's a financial planner. So he, you know, even this Full weekend, circle. he's teaching her about saving money and everything like that. So. Very cute. I mean, that's why it comes full circle, why yeah. she would ask that question, which I think yeah. is so cute. Social media, it's personal, it's mm-hmm. business. How do you handle both of those worlds? Is it a gray line? Do you just talk on your personal page about you? Does it ever cross over? Tell us a little bit about how you handle that. I use different platforms for different things. Instagram for me is personal. It's more pictures. Facebook, I use probably for both, but I used to be pretty strict about it, that I was not friends with any of my clients, none of that. First of all, I don't post anything that's that exciting. (laughs) So there's not really anything that I would ever post in either thing that I feel like if a client came across it, that I would be super worried about them seeing it. I feel like if you're just going to put something out there to the world, you need to make sure that it's okay. Um, Go on the front of the New York Times. That's what I tell people. Would you be okay if that showed up on the New York Times? Pretty much, yeah. So that's, for the most part, my philosophy there. But then I've had clients call me out on not letting me into the personal side of social media. I literally have gone to a couple different prospect meetings and then been leaving, and they're friending me. I think it has a little bit to do with what we do because we work side by side with people in a volunteer thing and this is what they're doing in their free time. So it feels like we should have that relationship and I'm not opposed to it necessarily, but I have my stuff set up for it now so that I can have different groups. I've got a professional group. I've got a personal group all under one profile, but it allows me to allow people in where it's maybe appropriate. I mean, I don't know that they want to see all the pictures of my daughter <laughs> or they do, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's I, a great thing for my, um, for her grandparents and you know her com- her cousins that all live you know in different states to be able to see pictures and stuff like that. So finding that line, it's not a perfect thing, um, but I I do think it can be a powerful tool too because there's been clients that have posted you know things that they have going on for other groups that they're trying to figure out and I'll help them out with it. I mean you know, it's a great resource too. Absolutely. Uh, Many women, including myself, look up to you and your ability to run a family business and how long this has been going. How have you done it all? I don't know that there's a perfect answer to that. (laughs) One day at a time. I think it's really important to just approach everything as one day at a time and what's working and communication. And I've been really lucky to have a great group of people that I can reach out to and ask advice. I can ask you things, you know, find your little tribe of people that you trust with going to and saying, hey, I'm trying to do this. What do you recommend? Or how did this feel to you kind of thing, both on the personal and professional side. I've been telling people lately, the first year I had my daughter, I felt like I needed to put on that super mom cape. And I needed to make it all happen, and I was going to travel and be home and just, you know, and make her Halloween costume, and come on. Nope. (laughs) Those Pinterest disaster boards, that's, that's, yeah, that's reality. 100%. And so I think just embracing who you are, uh, both personally and professionally, and figuring out how that's all going to meld together to become one thing that can work is really important in giving yourself a little bit of grace. And I think that's kind of been how it's worked 
continues to be how it works. There's a group of girls that I get together with once a month, and we just drink, drink wine on Monday nights because that's when most of our clients are not meeting or needing anything. So we'll get together on Monday nights, and we'll just talk about whatever, whatever in life it is that we're trying to accomplish. And it's kind of nice. We've got a text chain going. If anybody ever needs something, you can kind of help each other and make it happen. And so you just got to find that support. Don't be afraid to ask for help. You're great at paying it forward. So that's my last question. You've had a lot of mentors and a lot of things impact your life. And I know you're a big proponent of paying it forward. How do you pay it forward today? The biggest thing is I try to do whatever I can to help other women in business. Men too. (laughs) But just because that's been kind of a thing, a lot of women have reached out to me of, you know, how, how can you make it work? Or what do you, you know, I'm just getting started. I, I just met with a woman who she's like, I'm going to be the low cost option. I'm like, Oh, don't do that because yeah, you're, don't. I'm like, you're a professional. You're great. You're fantastic. So don't, you know, don't sell yourself that way. But I think it's just important to take the time. I try to say, I'm going to do a certain amount of times that I'll meet with people a week outside of that. And then I also try to pick things that just get me excited in our community, too. There's a lot of options in Des Moines, and so finding my way that I can give back. If I can't sit in a position, maybe I can give, um, or maybe I can attend or send somebody from my office to come. And I think that that's just hugely important because if I hadn't had those people take the time for me, then I wouldn't be able to sit here right now. So I think it's important that we take time for both our community and the people outside there. Even though it can be hard, there's certain weeks where it's so crazy and it's like, why am I leaving the house one more morning at 730? But it all works out. And it's, to me, super exciting when you see people have that success. Like there's nothing better than that when you watch somebody else hit what they're trying to do. So yeah. Kate Benaziak, thanks for being on Startup Stories. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Startup Stories DSM podcast. Inspired by these startup stories, visit dsmpartnership.com slash business resources to find upcoming events, videos, and other free resources dedicated to helping startups and entrepreneurs accelerate success in DSM USA. That's dsmpartnership.com slash business resources. Thanks for listening.